When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to episode 34 of the Women's Running Podcast. I'm Esther Newman, editor of Women's Running, and in this episode of the Women's Running Workshop, Holly and I have something different for you. Ever since her first half marathon in 2020, Holly has complained that she's had a little bit of a hip niggle, and knowing that hip injuries are frighteningly common in runners, we thought we'd track down someone to help with that and dedicate this episode to hip injuries and hip strength for runners. So here we are chatting with Victoria Smith, a physio who specialises in hips and hip strength for runners. Victoria is a runner herself and also suffers from hip niggles, so she's a bit of a find for us. She listens to all our various running woes and then offers sage advice on the strength moves we need to do to combat the niggles and also the things that we need to do in our everyday lives to stop the pain in its tracks. Turns out we sit wrong, we walk wrong, we do everything wrong. So this is a little short of revelatory. What's very wonderful about Victoria is that she is realistic. She understands that strength training is boring for runners. So she says that she'll ask us to do them every single day on the understanding that if we do them three times a week, then we're winning. I love that. Listen in to find out how to fix your hips. This podcast is sponsored by Vega. Founded by a vegan former professional triathlete, Vega is a premium range of vegan protein and nutritional powders made from real fruit and veg ingredients. They're full of the things your body needs so you can thrive each and every day leading an active lifestyle without skipping a vitamin, mineral or a beet. Protein helps build and maintain muscles. Add to smoothies, shakes and bakes and enjoy as part of a healthy lifestyle and balanced diet. Go to www.myvega.co.uk to discover the full range. So these podcasts, as, as you know, as I think I've explained, so we have the, these two, two po- kinds of podcasts. We've got one which is like interview someone. Um, we've got another podcast, which are our in-between you podcast, which is me and Holly going, bleh, 
run in, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> um, which we love. And we have never had a third person on there. Oh, wow. So you are oh, our welcome. first guest. I feel, I feel honoured. <laughs> It's exciting. <laughs> I've been really excited to do this. I've got my podcast today. <laughs> well, we're really excited too. I mean, it's good. Apart from anything else, as runners, it's always delicious speaking to a physio. It's like, oh, I've got this little, you know. Yes, definitely. You know, we love it. So, that, so that's it. So thank you so much for. Oh, you're welcome. Um, no, it's great. And, and as a runner, it's great speaking to other runners. So, you know, yeah. it's, oh, it's yeah. lovely. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess um, maybe because although I'm sure I will have done some kind of eloquent intro to you already, um, maybe, um, could you tell us who you are, what you do? Yes, of course. So I'm Victoria Smith and I'm a hip hip and knee specialist physio, but hip is my passion. Um, I work in NHS, have done for 22 years, and I have um, recently set up Fix Your Hips, which was originally a Facebook group, um, free support for people with hip pain in the first lockdown, um, because I felt that, yeah, people just weren't getting the same treatment that they needed. And working in the NHS, the access to good quality videos um, of exercises wasn't really out there at the time so I decided to take things into my own hands and make some videos that I was happy to sort of share so I got my 13 year old son Ollie to be the film cameraman um filmed him in my bedroom and um yeah sort of started putting them through the Facebook group it made me realize how many people out there had didn't have access to good quality physio um you know from all over the world and it then made me look at a specific condition called gluteal tendinopathy, which is common in runners and also in menopausal women. Um, and there's some really great research out there on this condition. So I thought, ah, all these things together, I can make a really good evidence-based program that um, people can access online. And it takes, you know, takes them through step by step how to sort of work on this condition with exercises but also and the biggie bit is that people don't realize how much what they're doing in everyday life can have an impact on this condition and therefore on their running or their day-to-day activities so um yeah I launched that in 10 of January so yeah that's I'm also a runner as well yeah so about me personally three children (laughs) love running um yeah found running a couple of years ago um did the couch 5k got to 40 thought ah not not liking where I am at the moment in terms of fitness and putting a bit of weight on so did the couch 5k and absolutely love running now it's part of my life so yeah so do you see quite a lot of runners in your in your work I do more privately really um do through the NHS as well, but they kind of have got there in a roundabout way quite often. Um, but yeah, I see more privately now. Um, but yes, there's always there's always runners around with uh, this hip. Uh, what I find, I see a lot of in the NHS is women who are maybe in their forties who either have just started running and didn't realise that they didn't have strong hips or they didn't have a good core, um, or runner women who maybe a running sort of training to do marathons or, or something like that so, um, so and it's a new thing to them so yeah or they've just started couch 5k they're the kind of people I tend to see um I've seen an ultra marathoner who was like running I mean 
I was like, really? I just can't imagine how you do these distances in one. Insane distances, aren't they? It's so intimidating. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, oh, my 5K. (laughs) (laughs) So why is it women particularly? Why why are women? women So gluteal tendinopathy is, um, this condition particularly, is more prone to women. It's it's really often linked to estrogen levels and, and tendon health. So that can have a big impact on it. Um, and also just how we're made. So we have sort of wider pelvises, which puts a bit more sort of strain through your ITB, which then can compress the tendon a bit more. Um, and also we carry kids on our hips and we have all these bad sort of sitting postures, which all feed into, into this particular um, condition. Um, but yeah, it's, um, I love when I see these people cause I'm like, Oh, I know what to do with you. Cause I, yeah. <laughs> any better by correcting the right things with you often um but yeah there are other hip conditions out there that can affect you know running as well but um this is a, a reasonably common one men can get it too but the the sort of incidence is four women to one man so it's okay. quite it's oh, quite really? yeah balanced in favor of unfortunately women getting it it's and of runners what's the proportion of like women runners that get it is it is that quite high do you know what i, I don't know the exact figures but it's it's probably one of the most common hip conditions that women would get. Um, it's pain on the outside of your of your hip, basically. That's where you tend to get the pain. Um, I don't know in terms of exact proportion of of you know women runners to this condition, but um, yeah, it's certainly high up there in, in running injuries for women. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's just one of those niggly things that if left can then get worse and worse, and then stop you from running um which is not what we want to do really is it mm-hmm. so, yeah and, and and you know one of the the major reasons why we wanted to speak to you is because holly has been suffering from some hip stuff we don't know what it is i certainly don't know what it is no, I'm, it is. I'm so <laughs> interested to hear what you think it is where do you get where's your pain holly when you when you get it so i'd say that it's sort of the way I've described it before to my partner when I come home from a run is that it's like I'm a Barbie and that, you know, that joint on a, on a doll's leg. It's like somebody's just kind of yanked me there. And it's the pain in your groin. Yeah. It's in my groin, but it also does spread because interesting you just saying about kind of outside of the hip, like it does, it does spread round so that it's kind of, would you say it's like if you had your hand in this position, would you say it's like that around your hips? You could put your feet. Yes, that's, exactly. what we, that's what we call a C sign. So that is quite indicative of it being your joint. Mm-hmm. So um, when you have pain that you do that around right around your hip into your groin and then it goes in an arc around the hip and into yeah. the back a little bit. Um, so C sign pain, obviously, I, I you know. I wouldn't make a diagnosis just chatting like this, but um, mm-hmm. C-sign pain does sort of point to it being a joint that's the, that's the issue. So there's different reasons why a joint can sort of flare up. One can be a common condition called hip impingement. So FAI is the kind of abbreviation. Really, I have that myself. Um, it's a really common thing. What it, what it means is basically all hips impinge. So a ballet dancer's hip impinges right at the top. Hip impingement is when the joint and the, the ball, the socket and the ball, sorry, come to the end point of that natural movement. So it's normal for your hip to impinge. But with the condition okay. hip impingement, what happens is you either have a bit too much bone on the ball part of the, of the joint or you have too much coverage of the socket. 
that's it in a kind of rough rough way there's lots of different intricacies with it but that's it in a kind of nutshell you can get both together so you can have too much bone on the ball and too much bone on the socket as well so when you're running what happens is um the the ball kind of comes into contact with the socket or vice Mm -hmm. versa and inside there you've got a labrum which is soft tissue like a suction cup and that holds everything in place and it it, it absorbs load over time you can start to cause a little tear in that labrum and that then that then can become painful um and also it doesn't give your hip quite so much good control that you have Mm so if the muscles aren't right around the hip and you have hip impingement what happens is rather than getting nice controlled movement the joint the ball can start to move around a little bit too much and that can cause even more pain so the important thing with it is one to probably maybe get it diagnosed properly to get it officially diagnosed you'd need to have a healthcare professional do some tests on you maybe have an x-ray um it really depends how much it's troubling you if it's something that's kind of stopping you running then it's well worth getting it looked at if it's something that's just annoying you and i'd say you can generally get away with a zero to two out of ten pain so if it's just bringing it up to a two it's gone within 24 hours that's fine but if it's starting to nudge up from that then you might want to get it checked out so if it's quite mild, you can just do some exercise. You can often get it better with exercises. I've never needed surgery on mine. Um, and I've got a lot of extra ball on the, uh, sorry, bone on the ball. Um, but I manage it by keeping my hip strong, which, mm-hmm. which helps. And also avoiding positions I know will make it worse. So with, with hip impingement, if you take your hip too, flex it too high usually, or rotate it in too much, that increases that impingement and then increases your pain. Mm-hmm. Um, a good a good way of seeing if your muscles are strong enough really is to stand on one leg and look at what ha- what happens to your pelvis. So when you're on one leg, does your pelvis move out to the side? Does it rotate in? And then if you bend your knee as well with standing on one leg, does that increase that sort of wobble or that shift over? I bet you it does all of those things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you then put that into the context of running, when you mm-hmm. land, you're landing with that sort of one leg slight knee bent position if your pelvis isn't sort of stable um then what's happening is you're getting that extra movement on that hip all the time so it can increase your symptoms and it can flare them up um so you can you can live your whole life with a hip impingement and not know you have it because you've not you haven't done anything that can flare it up but unfortunately with running unless you've got that control then if you have the underlying hip impingement, if you don't correct that movement patterning, then it can start to make it painful. Mm, yeah, I think sense? definitely that makes total sense. I think it's a bit of an epiphany because I think you're definitely right that I should probably go and get it properly diagnosed. But it, I, I think that's exactly it. I think that I, it, it's something I hadn't noticed until I did my first half marathon. And yes. it wasn't until right at the end of that training with those really long runs that I started to notice it. So what happened there is the control of the deep, the deep muscles that sit right around your hip. They were probably working perfectly well at five, 10 K. As you started to ask them to do more and work longer, they, they couldn't do that. And then what happens is the bigger muscles that control movement, not the fine control, they start to do more work and then they, you get a bit of an imbalance and that's what we can see when you stand on one leg, which is a really good simple test to have a check at how your hip stability is. Um, 
and that's when we can yeah start to see it so you pull I mean you would probably find if it's only coming on through the run it's not affecting your day-to-day you might find just doing some sort of simple stability work around your hip might just actually bring your symptoms right down again so um yeah you don't always need to get that diagnosis I think it really I would say if it's affecting your life I would but if if it's if it's something that you think ah yeah that makes sense I can kind of see how that works and some exercises can often be the right way and just you just need to get yourself strong on one leg Mm. and with that knee bend um and that's you know it's it's quite easy to do it's just so what sort of exercises does Holly need to do so I would I would start with um again I'm kind of saying this not having a sester so I'm just yeah I'm sort of saying this in a broad broad sort of scope bridging is great so where you lie on your back um knees bent and what you want to and this is kind of where sometimes exercises don't work is you don't get the starting position right so mm. you need to check that you've got even weight through both feet first because you'll probably find you've got a dominant side now or you always have so you need to make sure you're not already leaning into that side that's not painful um you need your feet quite you need your heels about a foot away from your bottom mm-hmm. and you need to make sure that you're the knobbly bits at the front of your pelvis, I kind of like to call them knobbly bits, make sure they're in line. You haven't got one down or one higher than the other. It's a really good starting position. So then you want to just engage your tummy muscles by doing a, a tilt. So your knobbly bits go towards your ribs, but you need to make sure you do that just with your abdominals, not with your glutes at the back, because that's often where we go wrong with that one. Then you need to sort of work. If you think about your jeans pocket, Mm-hmm. it is the outer corner the outer lower corner is where we want to su- get those muscles sucked in so we want to then squeeze those muscles on gentle push through your feet lift your bottom off the floor but you're keeping your, your tummy muscles on the whole way through it so that's a really nice exercise because it's load bearing you've got a bit of load going through the muscles um it's working your tummy muscles as well and mm. starting to get those deep muscles working and you can progress that exercise really nicely. So you can hold it for five to 10 seconds, do it maybe 10 times. If that gets easy, you can add a bit of a pulse in. So you lift up and then you just lower a little bit, but you're not going all the way down. And then you can start to move on to one leg. So you're lifting the heel up. It's really important that you, you progress the right level and not just whip through to the end exercise, which is often what people do. And they're doing exercise, you're like, oh my God, your control's so bad. You need to strip it back, build I it up. And it so, so happens so often, especially in runners or people who are in sport, they think they're stronger than they are because they run. I run, I'm strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, oh, I definitely think that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And when I discovered I had hip impingement, I was like, how have I got hip impingement? I'm a physio, I'm a hip. <laughs> this doesn't happen to me you know but yeah and for me I I've I've had a couple of flare-ups where I've tried to run too fast or too far and um also checking your stride length as well so if you stride out with your run you put mm-hmm. more load through the front of your hip so the ball will move forwards into that front part of the socket and into the, the soft tissue so it, it's worth sometimes if you notice that you're, you're getting that hip pain that sort of groin pain just maybe reducing your stride length a little bit because um, that can just take that pressure away from the front of the hip and that can sort of, yeah, set, settle things down. Um, and, and your pace as well. Obviously, you know, if you're running too fast it, it, and you haven't got that control around there, just stripping that back a bit as well can help. Um, yeah, so bridging is a great start. Okay. Um, 
good core is important as well because if you've got good abdominal control you can then build up those deep hip muscles on top of it if you haven't got that abdominal control you haven't got the foundations to build those muscles on so good good strong core is 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 crucial um so yeah you can then progress you can do sort of single leg work as well sort of mini squats are good to do but for me my the way I work is all about that control making sure you've got the right movement technique because you can be given an exercise to do or go on YouTube find an exercise go yeah I'll do that but if you're not doing it right you won't be getting the right sort of you know that what you could do out of it mm-hmm. so it's just making yeah. sure your, your technique is really good with it and you're not starting too hard because yeah as we said we all jump to the end bit and we need to start <laughs> <laughs> so a bridging is a great one to start with um and i would have a look at your single leg stand as well because you can practice standing on one leg um maybe in a door frame or something so again what i often see people go well i've been told to practice up standing on one leg because that's where I'm, I'm sort of a bit wobbly you need yeah. to stand on one leg at the right level for you so if you stand on one leg and you're wobbly there's no point just practicing that because you'll just feed into those bad habits so if you stand on one leg get a good technique maybe stand in a door frame make sure your, your foot's under your knee your knees under your hip you've got a nice you know long trunk you're not leaning forwards or backwards or over to the side suck your hip in and just practice practice standing in that position if it's weak those muscles are weak you'll feel them really working the other thing is to look at how you stand in a day because how you stand has a real big impact on how your muscles work so if you stand with your hips off to the side you know like where you shift your hip over or if when you stand you notice your hips are forwards of your knees so you're standing and your hips are are coming forwards Mm. um, and your feet are flat so you're, you're sort of in that sort of forward lean that puts a lot of load through the front of your hip as well yeah so correcting how you stand can have a big impact on your running because it's making the right muscles work in the right place throughout the daytime yeah I think I do I don't think I do forwards I think I do off to the side yeah real common woman stand that is Mm -hmm. we do I think the best way to see how you stand is just to stand in front of a mirror imagine you're back in those old days of being in a bar and waiting to get served those lovely days and just kind of go into a relaxed standing posture yeah immediately there I was like (laughs) painful hip holly is it the side you move into or the side you move off from it's the right side and interestingly that's the side that I just moved into when we were talking about what I would do if I were at a bar right now it can be either so if you if you have say for example pain on your right side but you move your hips over to the left so you're putting more weight through the left you're taking the 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 muscle activity away from the left side Mm -hmm. so in theory you're weakening it but if you shift it over to the other side so onto the right side you can that can also have an impact on the hip because you're um loading it up a bit too much and also you're shifting it over so you're making the big muscles work and that's the pattern your hip will want to be in when you're standing on one leg it'll want to move over onto that side which then stops the deep muscles working and makes the bigger muscles at the front of your hip or the top of your bottom your top the the top glutes will overwork um, and also stop the deep hip flexors working so you, you need the deep muscles to be working really well and then mm-hmm. the superficial muscles can work well on top of that. So it's a layered up kind of process with, with yeah. I think that's basically my problem. It is, does like it. Yeah. yeah, I think. And I think neglecting 
the real groundwork of the strength training. This time round, since Esther and I have done the podcast on this particular the half marathon, which is my second one, we've been focusing a bit more on strength training. And I, yeah. as I think all runners do, probably neglected it a bit, but did do some. Yeah, <laughs> do you? Yeah, I'm guilty myself. I, mm-hmm. I love the running element. I think running is fab, isn't it? It's just mm. the best thing ever. But I've, I mean, I'm the exercises are boring. Yeah, they are. They are boring. And I go through, I am normal. I'm a normal human being. I know that they make my hip better and I know I can run better and faster and further if I do them. But I do go through phases like everybody else where I think, oh, I haven't done them for three weeks. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think exactly where I am right now. I don't think I've done them for three weeks creepy groin pain coming back in I think oh right come on let's get back to it um but yeah it's they are boring but I think if you have an underlying hip condition that it that they're super important um Mm -hmm. even if you haven't got a hip condition yeah your strength training is is such a big element of of running isn't it you're running fit um but yeah yeah, when I lose that core I think that's the thing is is that yeah, that's when I start to notice the problems is is yeah. the hip, but also my back, like all of those kind of various little niggles that you get. Absolutely. They tend to kick in when I can feel that I'm just completely just Absolutely. flopping. Absolutely. And you also notice that your postures become poorer when you don't do your exercise as well, because it's easier to stand in those kind of off positions. It's, it's a really easy way to stand. You don't need to use any muscle activity. Mm-hmm. You're just hanging basically on, you know, your ligaments your tendons um but it's not yeah it's not good for joint health um and hip problem can then transfer into the knee and then that can transfer into the foot um so and and the opposite way around as well so yes strength training is is so good but it's just the boring element of of running isn't it really (laughs) do we also need to consider how we sit yes absolutely i didn't want to kind of give you too much uh, to tell you off too much. let's go for it let me have it i'll hold no holds barred so <laughs> yeah exactly esther um if you sit with your legs crossed um either at the, the knee or at the ankle then ankle. Uh, ankle that what that does is it puts a lot of tension through your itb which runs down the side of your thigh um if your itb becomes quite sort of dominant you tend to get the muscles that feed into it overworking so that's one at the front called your tfl and then your upper glute max and then the outside quad so mm-hmm. often notice in women that if you look at them side on they'll have quite a lot of dominance at the front quite flat deep glutes and then a thigh that kind of bulges out to the side some people have that thigh bulge um so sitting encourages that pattern which mm-hmm. then discourages the deep muscles at the back of the hip to to work very well so you get this imbalance so yeah absolutely that then feeds into um hip joint um problems and soft tissue problems around the hip as well also sitting over to one side so if you sit kind of leaning into the side of a chair um or you sit noticing that you sit more into the left than the right that's again like standing exactly the same standing and sitting on the edge of your chair as well. So if you sit on the edge of your chair with your feet tucked back behind you on your, your sort of wheelie chair, or again, that's building into that pattern of working the front, that big hip muscle, hip flex at the front, and um, 
yeah it, again it's it's all feeding into into that sort of thing so there's lots of different ways yeah you can you can change how you're sitting using cushions to help you to under your arms can help um just support really because it's hard to go from sitting with your legs crossed to just suddenly not sitting with your legs crossed i know i just it tried is. and i was like oh god you need to do that about two minutes and i start exactly. because twitchy. you twitch exactly that's exactly yeah. it the reason we do it is it's it's easy and it's you feel stable when you sat mm. like that um so sometimes you need to um put a ball between your knees just to try and help if you can arm support is really important as well or something behind your back too um but yeah there's sitting how, how you sit especially when you're doing a desk job and you're, you're doing lots of meetings all day yeah really important that you look at that and also sitting with your knees higher than your hips that's really important too if you've got hip impingement mm. so sorry your hips higher than your knees i always say that with the wrong way your hips <laughs> need to be higher than your knees so yeah, so you've got that slope down. If mm. your if your knees are higher than your hips, then what happens is you're impinging your hip a bit more. Um, and that's the same with sitting on the edge of a chair. If your pelvis is tilted forward, so you're, you're kind of arching your back again, you're impinging that hip more, and it, it can it can cause problems. Yeah, so yeah. So absolutely, yes. So sitting is is huge. Um, sleeping can be as well if people have hip pain at night then you know how you sleep can affect it too so making sure you haven't got your, your top knee lower than your hips or a cushion underneath your your leg can can help as well with that um, no, I do yeah, I do wonder the, because um because I sit I sometimes sit well I'm I'm a horror for crossing my legs and like when I used to go to the running school in Bristol I would just the physio I was seeing there would like he wouldn't quite hit me but there was a just I'm going your legs Sorry. Um, yes, yeah, I'm, I'm a terror for it but I've also I noticed with me to, sorry Holly I've got to talk about me now no um, no go for it because <laughs> I've, I've had a kind of a disc issue I've had a slip disc in the last right. sort of two three years and it means that when I do sit I am for the last three years I'm especially when I'm working I'm much more hyper aware of of my lower back than anything else so that what you were talking about there that really resonates because actually I'm much more likely to sit on the edge of chairs curving my back in a bit because I'm just like right well the the last thing I want is for that to go again so I sort of I Mm. create this sort of quite full too much maybe yeah maybe a little bit too much occasionally yeah yeah. um and it's not fixed it because it has gone again subsequent to that time um and and I've had a hip thing but it's not the same as Holly's at all right Um, but it's definitely a kind of um just a on it feels like it's it feels like it's jointy um on the outside just in one particular point and after i've done a long run can you point to it esther can you show me yeah can you do the, the, the i love the one finger point test it's so good <laughs> it's so specific <laughs> hang on a sec <laughs> so okay so your point yeah okay so that that that's probably more likely to be related to muscle so you're pointing to just around the top of the glutes maybe slightly lower maybe just over where the tendon inserts so it just feel like it's glutey yeah that's more like gluteal tendinopathy type kind of um issue so again yes um you know making sure you take those stresses off off that area um and yeah if you're sitting in that pelvis tilt or time your muscles are going to be 
sort of working really hard to keep you in that position. Um, having a look at whether you stand with more weight through one leg than the other, that's quite a common one we do as well. Um, and that can have a big impact on, on tendons and, and muscles. And just getting that fine control right around the hip, so core, getting those deep muscles to work, and then putting that into patterning of, of how you'd run. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, getting making sure they're working properly when you're on one leg. And when you then, so you, it's just progressing the exercises at the right level for it so that you get the right things working and then you move on to the next one and next one. And it's that step-by-step progression. It's, you need to progress the exercises. If you don't progress exercises, then they're not going to change anything, but it's progressing them at the right time and making sure the right muscles are doing the right job, which is um, really important that you understand with each exercise what should be working, what shouldn't be working. Uh, and where you should feel it if it's work, not working properly and where you should feel it's working right. So that's really important that you you know where you should feel things. So, yeah, that looks slightly different to Honey's without prodding you and feeling it. Um, I can't, yeah, I can't say exactly, but that does look more like a, a muscle control thing. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Holly's is more, looks like more of a joint issue, but also related to muscle control as well, probably. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah i mean all three of us have got hip problems it's massive it's it's huge and i'm presuming you both wear good shoes because you know you're, you're you're runners but i'm, I'm surprised mm-hmm. at how many people come in to see me and they're like yeah i'm running in and i'm like whoa no or they'll wear really nice shoes for running but then when they're going out for a walk they'll wear like bands i'm like I think that's my problem. Oh, I wear I wear really good shoes for running, and then I think are completely about. Well, I think part of the problem is that um, Esther and I. I don't know if you still do this, actually, Esther, but we were given the advice at one point to go for a size up with every shoe. I think now we've kind of come to the conclusion that that works for some shoes and not for others. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, and I've my running pair at the moment, I think, were one that I probably shouldn't have gone the full size up. Yes. So for running, they're still they're still pretty good, but because of my feet swelling and stuff, then they tend yeah. to fit fine. But walking, they are they don't really work for me, and they're probably the yes. most sensible, comfortable shoes I have. So I tend to do, oh, I'm going to go on a huge hike today, and I think, yeah, I think I probably just run a Converse. Exactly. And- <laughs> So you then look, that that load absorption is going straight through that that chain right up to your hip. Whereas with a yeah. good quarter pair of shoes, I found that with running. I, I went to our local running shop just before lockdown, so these are some new running shoes, and he kept trying to get me into these like massive shoes, and I was like, they don't feel right. They're falling no. off my foot, mm. and and I said, no, I'm not, I'm not buying them. And he bought every pair out in the shop, and I said, can you just give me a size down? No. He wouldn't let me try them on. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to go away. I'm going to order a pair of Brooks Ghost. And I'm just going to order them in the size I think. And they're, they're perfect. I love them. And they, yeah, I think that's it's exactly my thing. Mine are Brooks. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, the size up in Brooks for me as well was yeah. just, it's just a little bit too much. I think it's I could have. Too much. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I found the same. And I, I, they're perfectly for me, fit, fit me perfect now. But he, in the shop, he was like, no you can't run in those they'd be too small mm, I think it's my personal choice really but mm-hmm. yeah it, it, it is there seems to be this big obsession with going that size up all the time doesn't there it doesn't work for everybody just for some yeah, people it absolutely. completely depends on your feet doesn't it because I completely. think and I, 
Yeah, I, I've noticed that going up a full size in Brooks, actually, if we're going to talk about Brooks, if going up a full size there works perfectly for me. Absolutely. Really? But yeah, it's totally spot it's on. It's funny, isn't it? Yeah, it, but I think, like, you know, the physiology of the foot is is so kind of, you know, personal. And, oh. you know, I've got kind of little trotter feet with a high arch. And it, I think I probably need to get a wide fitting. I've never really explored that option before yeah. because I'm so mm. high at the top. Yes. And I've got yeah. tiny, tiny, stumpy little toes. And <laughs> for some reason, this sizing thing works for me. But I know other people that have different toe shapes. that have mm. Absolutely. I've got skinny feet, really skinny feet. So... For me, I need a shoe that fits me. I like it to fit me really nicely around my foot. Um, mm. But yeah, it's it's really it's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, foot health is important as well, isn't it? Because if you don't use your big toe as well, that can have a big impact on your on your hip. So when you when you push off, if your big toe doesn't move in the in the right way, so you haven't got enough flexion in it, then you tend to roll into the outside of your foot, which then can put more load through your hip in the wrong way. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's one that I tend to avoid. I think I'm pretty looking at the bottoms of my shoes. You're quite even. I'm pretty even, but I think I think you're exactly right in the it's the um pushing that hip for longer distances when I've not got that base level Absolutely of strength that. and control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And often we don't realize we haven't got it until we do that sort of next step up. Yeah. So, you don't realise you haven't got that control there. Um, no, I never it. ever noticed it. I never ever noticed it. I never thought about it at all. And I think the first time that it started to hurt was the first time I ran the half. Um, it was on my training run of about 11 miles. Right. And then it kind of, and, and it's fine. It's still at that point, as you say, that it only takes it about 24 hours. Maybe that's max. okay. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. And you then, and then that's okay you're not you're not damaging anything if, if, if pain score is quite low and it's going away it's fine mm-hmm. but you might find if you push it more or you keep doing that distance you, you, you might start to creep up on that pain score and that's when you need to think yeah. ah yeah we need to I mean I probably would advise you do something about it now just in terms of getting your hip a bit stronger mm. it, it would probably be all you need to do and just monitor it but um yeah it's just when you start to push it that's when you notice that you've got that underlying problem um yeah and I think I probably didn't as you're saying with the pain score thing I think I probably didn't really think of it as too much of a problem like I remember telling Esther about it the first time I did that did a half marathon and and not and I think you called it an injury and I was like oh it's not an injury that's not that's uh, because I just thought because because with you talking about the kind of pain score by the time you reaching 10 or 11 miles anyway, if you're me, then everything oh, hurts. Hurt. <laughs> <laughs> so it's putting it into context, isn't it, really? Yeah, well, yeah. I think I thought I was just being a bit whiny and I was just kind of <laughs> <laughs> just making a fuss. <laughs> well, yeah. I think with, with it, I think it's, it's probably just um, something that you need to manage um and, and you might you, you're fine with um hip conditions that they kind of do a bit of this on a roller coaster they, they go up they go down um sometimes they'll flare a bit more um sometimes you'll think wow that was amazing I had no pain at all when I did that mm-hmm. but yeah getting it stronger generally and, and, and avoiding those bad everyday postures um as much as you can or just um modifying them is probably the right word to use can make a big difference on your running so because like so just... Holly and I we're we're heading now towards we've got our we've got a, a half marathon again in 
in September, haven't we, Hall? Yeah, which um, we forgot about. Which we forgot about. We're very professional with all of this. Totally professional. Um, and I've got a marathon that I keep on forgetting about in October <laughs> as well, <laughs> which I really should. And we've got a 10K, of course, in oh, May as well. May. Yeah, mm. so um, what, what would be like an ideal thing for us to be doing week to week in order for us to kind of minimize the kind of pain or injury or whatever so i would yeah i would work on core at core core's always good so getting your core working um that doesn't mean doing lots of sit-ups it kind of means integrating abdominal work with with other things as well so you know engaging your abdominals and doing arm weights is is still working your abs um you've got your traditional kind of plank exercises you, you know they're fine to do as well um the um the exercises where you push out and pull in that you know with a theraband oh i don't know if you've seen those um mm-hmm. you know they're they're great I, i'm going I, this is kind of on my radar to do as well is to do um a sort of a course way to, to increase your core stability and then and then build up your hip stability around that as well um but yeah i would definitely core core is really important and then looking at the deep hip stuff so um bridging squat deep mini squats progressing to single legs work so using a, a single leg dip with a weight using a stair so standing on a stair and then bringing your leg up but all about control it's all about control the ones I don't like personally um, are things like clams and side lying leg lifts because generally you work the wrong muscles with those. So you tend to find you work the muscles that that, that are already overworking when you get into those longer distances. Mm. The it your, your TFL your upper glute max, the quadratus lumborum, which sits just in, in sort of your flank here. Mm. They tend to in, encourage those to work, and you're not getting enough at the right muscle control out of them. So personally, I don't, I don't use those. Um, That's all. It is interesting. Um, and and uh, looking at the sort of literature around there, um, certainly the sort of researchers I follow um, all kind of don't advocate that kind of exercise. If you look at the studies that show muscle like glute activation, they do show that it works, but that's probably in someone doing it right. Whereas the majority of people I see, their technique is awful with it with those kind of exercises so clams and side lying leg lifts mm-hmm. um there's so many better ways you can use the, the right muscles in a more functional way so the, the deep glutes work really well in load bearing so it's much better to kind of get that patterning right in load bearing so yeah you know bridging squatting um lunging single leg work but it's got to be at the right level so a key to know if it's the right level is just to look at your pelvis and if you're standing on one leg and your pelvis is going out to the side and it's rotating round or you're doing a squat and your pelvis is shifting out it's too hard for you mm-hmm. and you're not doing the right muscles so um I, I don't think you necessarily need to think of what weird and wonderful exercises to do it's more about doing the 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 good ones we know work the right muscles correctly mm-hmm. so good core strength um getting those deep deep glutes and the, the hip flexors at the front the deep ones working as well um is really important so and so and yeah. how often do we need to be doing this well i mean i think as a pro a strength strengthening program i'd say about three times a week is 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 fine to do and and that's probably a, a, an achievable amount to do mm-hmm. if you have a hip condition i'd probably try and aim for more I, I like to say every day, knowing it won't be done every day. 
So, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> I love the realism. And I do it Great. five times a week. Brilliant. Mm. Oh, I've won. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I think, yeah, if you're looking at trying to do achieve a specific aim around a, a hip condition, then I would try and aim for every day. Mm. Um, but if you've done it three times a week, that that's, that's still pretty good. But if you haven't got injuries and you're just looking at increasing your strength and control towards a run, um, then yeah, I'd say three times a week is, is, is probably a good achievable amount to do that. So a combination of, um, core work, glutes, um, hip flexor, um, kind of being the, the main issue, the main kind of areas, but doing them with functional movements. So you actually gain all the muscles you need to work properly, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And so how many exercises is uh, are Holly and I supposed to be doing? <laughs> oh, well, I like to keep it really minimal because I yeah. think if you've got a few exercises that work a lot of things at the same time, you, you probably will do it. So if you had three or four exercises to do, you, you probably would do those. If you've got 10, mm, you're probably not going to bother. Or you'll think, oh, I've got 10 exercises to do now. So, yeah, I, I, I like to keep them kind of minimal. I'd say five max, really. Um, with a, a combination of, you know, maybe some bridging, a, a bit of mini squatting, some lunging, um, a bit of bit of core work, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a plank. That's kind of a, a general kind of look at things. Mm-hmm. There's more more specific things like, yeah, lunge walking is great because that's quite a nice warm up as well. You get a nice hip flexor strength, stretch, you're starting to get the hamstrings working. We've got to make sure your lunge is um, a good technique lunge and it's not, you're not wobbling your pelvis all out to the side, your knees are knocking in, you're leaning back, you're leaning too far forward, you're leaning over to the side. So that's that that's the main thing I would say is your technique is right when you're doing these exercises. That generally um, sounds like you're describing how I walk though. So. <laughs> <laughs> the lunging then, I was imagining my lunge as we were talking about it and I was like, oh, oh god. god, yeah, oh, with the yeah. knocking knees, yeah. the wobbling hips. <laughs> you, you know the lunge is if it's not very good do it in a door frame so you've got that support so if it's too hard you need to add a bit of support in mm-hmm. work at that level because you train how you train you gain what you yeah. train yeah if you're training bad movement patterns you'll get that when you're running um don't just suddenly develop a great movement pattern because you're running you, you will enc- you'll encompass how you move mm-hmm. into that running pattern and as you go further and faster it will highlight it more and more so, um, yeah, technique is is absolutely key when you're doing any exercise. Just know where you, where you should be working, where you should feel it, where you shouldn't feel it are the main sort of elements to it. And just check that that control around your pelvis and make sure it's working properly. And then you'll get a lot out of the exercise. So it's what you, you, you're better to do a few exercises well mm-hmm. than loads of exercises badly. Yeah. Is, is definitely the, the sort of uh, way I look at it, really. But yeah, I, d- I don't do loads and loads of stuff. I probably do five exercises um, around hip control, really, for me, because that's my area. And having really good um, calf strength as well is important because you're pushing off with your calf. So if you stand on one leg, you need to really be able to lift your heel with a nice, stable pelvis and check you can do that. So heel raising is good as well. And also heel raising with a bent knee because it works a slightly different muscle at the back of your calf. So you've got mm-hmm. a calf complex. So um, make sure you've got good, strong calf muscles is, is really important, as, as are your quads, because when you land, your quads absorb a lot of load too. And um, 
and your glutes, not just your deep glutes, your actual glute max that sits at the back, that needs to be strong too. Um, so there's lots of different muscles, but you can generally work a lot of them with a ex- an exercise or, you know, up to five sort of thing. You don't can just be can doing- we do any of these while we're watching telly? Yeah. I ask that. Can. Um, just make sure you're not losing focus on your control is what I would say. Just being really pedantic because I am, my colleagues are like, I'm so picky. I'm like, oh, you, but you're just slightly off there. Move that around. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think something I a bit mindless. As long as you're watching something, a little, you don't have to concentrate on too much. Yeah, not subtitles. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You just need to keep checking your control. Check that you haven't. Oh, I've moved. And planking is quite something you can often kind of move into a bad pattern with. Um, if you're doing a plank, people often start too hard with a plank and try and aim for like five minutes. Or I'm going to aim for two minutes. And, and it's about your technique again and making sure you're feeding it in the right place. If you're doing a plank and it's the wrong technique, you can start to, again, overuse the wrong things because the wrong things will start working to keep you in that position. So um, with a plank, it's good to get in that plank position and just sort of rock forwards and backwards, just making sure you've got that nice control. So long arms, knees on the floor, and just trying to rock over into that plank and then back again. Mm-hmm. And just then gradually start holding it. You don't necessarily need to just jump straight into a really hard plank. You should feel it really in your abdominals and not at the front of your hips. That's where you shouldn't really feel it when you're planking. And make sure you've got that even weight through both sides. Because if you are if you stand off to one side, you'll start trying to wander back to that side. And then you're just feeding back into that pattern again. So it's um, yeah. it's spotting little things like that, really, I think, when you're doing your, your sort of strength work and making sure your technique's good. So you're getting what you think out of the exercise. That's the main the main thing with that kind of stuff. But, yeah, Holly, yeah. you need to go back to basis and get that hip nice and strong. I know. That's the thing, isn't it, is I just do need to go back to basics because thinking about all of these exercises, as soon as I get re- remotely tired, I will lean and flop and like try and get away with yeah. not really doing it. Yeah, stop the exercise there. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you, th- there's quite a lot of emphasis at the moment out in the literature uh, with um, using heavy weights. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having a really heavy weight so that you can do maximum three to six reps with that weight. So doing a squat with a really heavy weight or doing a bridge with a really heavy weight. Um, and you shouldn't be doing more than three to six. So if you don't really like training very much and that seems to be the ideal way of doing it (laughs) you just need to make sure your technique is absolutely spot on with it um because if you're doing it really wrong with a really heavy load you you can again you can you know aggravate things but yeah adding load is brilliant because you're making the muscles work hard with that that extra load on top of it so um done right that can be a really good way of of getting that that the muscles around there nice and strong mm-hmm. um there's some yeah there's quite a lot of good stuff out there at the moment about using weight with with uh running uh, you know doing your kind of strength and conditioning using weight um but yeah if you've got an underlying issue just kind of get that sort of built that up yeah. yeah definitely mm-hmm. definitely and your exercise you do should never make your hip worse so if they're sort of bringing your symptoms right up same with yours esther if you're feeling that pain on the side of your hip with your exercise it's not it's not really no pain, no gain with that kind of problem. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's um, okay. it's stop and yeah, maybe do something else or you've done enough on that hip. So, so. strength training three times a week, 
sit without crossing our legs. I'm doing it now. Oh. I'm doing it now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I have learned nothing if you sit if you sit with your leg crossed it's okay you're not gonna you know go up in smoke or anything like that but it's just it's more about doing it for long periods that's the that's the kind of problem and yeah. it, you're probably looking at being realistic once you start to try and identify it and stop it you're probably looking at about six seven seven weeks of um it feeling really weird and uncomfortable mm-hmm. and your body will keep craving getting back in that position I've never never been a smoker but I kind of liken when you're trying to change your posture to craving a cigarette like never smoked but when I when I identified I was a leg crosser and a hip hanger changing it was really hard but you, it does get easier but you crave getting in that position because it feels nice to be back in that position mm-hmm. and you're like, oh I can't and, and it's so hard not to cross your legs but you can do it it's just um, remembering, oh, my, my legs are crossed again. I've got to undo them. I, I love that phrase, it. though. I love the fact that you can sort of just go, I'm a leg crosser. Yeah. <laughs> Hands up. I haven't crossed my legs in uh, three days. Oh, well done, Holly. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the group. Leg, leg crosser anonymous. Because <laughs> yeah, leg crossers anonymous. <laughs> That's amazing. You heard it here first. Stop crossing your legs. If you want more advice from Victoria on any hip pain you might have, join her Facebook group at Fix Your Hips for helpful tips and advice on gluteal tendinopathy. I managed to say that. Podcast listeners can claim the best discount we have for membership to Women's Running. Honest, it's better than anything anywhere else. Go to shop.womensrunning.co.uk and enter WRPOD at the checkout to get a whopping 35% off, as well as access to loads of discounts and freebies. Come and join Women's Running. We'd love to have you with us. Happy running. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.